Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back, lovers and friends. I am so excited to be sharing with you a solo pod today. Um, It's just you and me. We are going to be diving into a conversation that I have been really excited to share with the podcast. Um, This is a topic that I'm really passionate about. Um, A couple seasons ago, my solo podcast episode was on the erotic archetypes. Uh, So me personally, I am so obsessed with the themes of archetypes, mythology, fairy tales, the characters that come into play in our lives. And I find so much healing and so much magic through understanding and exploring the archetypes psychologically as we analyze these Um, these energies present within our own lives and within our culture, within our relationships, the characters that we take on in romantic partnerships. It's just so multidimensional. And as someone who is a professional storyteller, a filmmaker, actor, and professional witch at this point. <laughs> uh, the the idea of archetypes has just been something very constant in my work. So today what we're going to be doing is diving deep into the dark feminine. I wanted to explain and give you a little bit of a definition of what the dark feminine is. The dark feminine is the shadow side of the feminine. Now going back to Carl Jung, who was a psychoanalyst and philosopher and pioneered the concept of archetypes present in psychology, the shadow is the darker element of our personality. It is our connection to the subconscious. And the shadow is often the elements of our personality that we repress, that we do not share with the world. Our traditional archetype might be the hero or the magician. And these are how we want to be perceived by the world, how we want to carry ourselves, how we want our are the people in our lives to see us. Uh, but the shadow is what lies beneath the surface. We're going to be diving into the dark feminine, which is the shadow side of the feminine. And of course, I want to preface this with, this is the feminine energetics. I'm not talking about uh, women or having this be exclusive to a woman experience. Um, and you know, we are very fluid with how we understand gender and the, um, energetics of gender, um, especially as we navigate the realm of mythology and we navigate the realms of storytelling. These are all characteristics that we can embody and we probably do embody no matter who we are. And um, it's something that I want to make sure I say. However, I will be using the term feminine um, 
And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Or if you have any comments of how I could have better communicated these concepts, feel free to reach out. I do my best. Um, But we're going to be talking about the dark feminine. And this is a really juicy topic. I hope that you are a little bit uncomfortable in this conversation. I hope that there are parts of this podcast episode that make you feel provocative because that is the intention of the dark feminine. We're going deep into those places that are really uncomfortable, that are really murky. This is the realm of mystery. This is the realm of the fertile void. This is descending into the underworld and interacting with these qualities that our culture has deemed to be unacceptable. Okay. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm just really excited. (laughs) So I guess I'll take it a step back. Um, Maybe I'll talk about how I started to explore my dark feminine. Uh, So as you all know, on this podcast, I go by the name Tosca. Now, Tosca is a name that I gave myself when I first joined the BDSM community. And back in those days, you, and I know this is not a long time ago, but eight years ago, the BDSM scene was still quite taboo. It was not as much as part of our culture as it is now. It was something that you could be fired for from a job. And at that time, I did have a job in which I had to make sure I had that separation. So my first dom guided me and advised that I choose a name. I chose the name Tosca. And over the course of my 20s, Tosca has evolved and taken on different forms. I use the name Tosca when leading ceremonies in Los Angeles about six or so years ago, and that entered the realm of mysticism. Tosca became the name I used in the realm of witchcraft, as well as BDSM. And so I started to understand that Tosca was this safe identity for me to explore the darker elements of my personality. So interestingly, I created a persona that was a safe container for me to explore my dark feminine. So I think that what's really fascinating is that this was not a conscious choice I made, but was a subconscious choice, a subconscious journey into the depths of my subconscious, exploring deep desire, exploring BDSM, exploring, you know, the darker a side of spirituality, um, exploring my own personal shadow and having this character literally be a guide for me to go deep into my own sorrow, to go deep into my anger, my rage, my desires, my primal longings. So the dark feminine I have found comes through when you're ready. The dark feminine is a guide deep within us. It is an ally for understanding the the darker elements of this world. And the dark feminine has been present throughout all time. We go deep back into thousands and thousands of years ago, into the early pagan mythology, and we see the dark feminine present from the beginning of time. Because the dark feminine is the counterpart to the the light. And if we go to all religious 
text, we will find that when there is darkness, there is light. From darkness comes life. So this is a big part of our collective subconscious, our collective psyche. And it's really important, I think, to understand um, both the dark masculine and the dark feminine. And something that I love to explore with this concept as well is how the dark feminine has a lot of qualities that are um, accepted in the realm of masculinity and are applauded when in the form of masculinity. However, when in the feminine are often seen as dark or seen as bad or seen as evil. (laughs) So taking it back again, when we explore and examine an archetype such as the dark feminine, we begin with how the culture views this archetype, how it shows up in culture through story, through mythology, through film, through music, through pop culture. And then we also take a look at how the archetype will present itself in our communities, how the archetype is present in our relationship structures and how the archetype is present in our own lives and how that comes into play with our psychology. And so we're really going from like macro to micro, but then at the end of this, I also like to take a step back again and how the archetype is present in our collective psyche as well. So archetypes really are a tool for understanding the world at large, but also understanding our inner world as well. So I'd like to talk a little bit about how culture has dealt with this archetype and how it shows up currently in our modern culture. So the dark feminine has shown up, I would say maybe our first introduction to the dark feminine is present in fairy tales. So the archetype in fairy tales is something like the evil queen who is, uh, of course, um, you know, I like to think of Snow White in this example, the evil queen who is in control of the kingdom. And of course, the her counterpart, the light feminine, the maiden is Snow White, and she's the innocent one. And so, of course, we have these classic juxtapositions of light and dark, good and evil. Um, her true form is, is not the beautiful one. It is the actual hag. Um, and so... It, I feel as though that fairy tales are our first introductions to a lot of archetypes because um, fairy tales just exist in that realm so traditionally and so symbolically and so simply. And it's our first introduction because as children, these are the first stories that we hear is fairy tales. And uh, we watch these movies that are from the realm of fairy tales as well. So the evil queen is one of the first examples of the dark feminine. And then of course, the witch in the woods. And I love the concept of the old witch in the woods because I think that she comes back around in mythology with a crone and the crone is just very multidimensional and fun. But first let's go to the surface level, dark feminine, witch in the woods archetype. Now, anytime a character in fairy tales or mythology is in the woods, we have to remember the role that the woods play as well in archetypes and in um, 
symbolic mythology and the woods is representative of our subconscious. When you go into the woods, you often come out of it completely transformed. Um, the woods are dark and mysterious and uh, there's a lot of unknown. And so it, the woods always represent the collective unconscious or the subconscious. So that's something to keep in mind when we start to understand and see where these archetypes live live in their realms uh, that they control, because oftentimes a lot of the dark feminine uh, archetypes are going to be in these places like the woods. Um, now, the old witch in the woods often lives on her own. She lures children. She lures people. And then, of course, you know, in fairy tales, she's going to eat them. Um, this is a trope that is going to come back again. Uh, there seems to be a lot of like dark feminine fear surrounding uh, the feminine eating children um, or consuming. And I think symbolically that like uh, the consumption, the like, I'm going to possess you is a very interesting um, characteristic. We'll dive deeper into that later. But um, yeah, just take some time to think about these archetypes and fairy tales and maybe what uh, representatives of the dark feminine you remember from fairy tales that you read as a child that um, you can start to analyze from this new perspective because we're going to be unraveling the dark feminine and then we're going to be integrating the dark feminine. So the archetypes in culture, I love to think about the ways that our culture interacts with the dark feminine in our day-to-day. -day. And something I've been thinking a little bit about is the girl boss and how the girl boss has transcended and entered the realm of the dark feminine. There's a very interesting article um, that I will be linking in the show notes called the death of the girl boss. And I'm going to give you guys a little quote. The girl boss is one of the cruelest tricks capitalism ever perpetrated. Born in the mid 2010s, she was simultaneously a power fantasy and a utopian promise. As a female business leader, be she a CEO, an aspiring CEO, or an independent multi-level marketing superseller. The girl boss was going to unapologetically will empires from the rebel of rejection and underestimation she faced all her life. As companies grew in her image, so did her mythos. Her legacy would be grand and fair because equality was coming to work. Everyone was supposed to win when girl bosses won. Now, I've always been quite wary of the girl boss because she literally is just uh, a feminine embodiment of capitalism and not going to lie, not a huge fan of capitalism. Uh, but what's interesting is that this is a nearly mythological archetype that has uh, formed in our cultural lifetime. Now, this was a term coined by the nasty gal CEO, Sophia Amoroso, and the girl boss has illuminated some of the darker elements of our capitalistic structures. And I, what I think is interesting as well is that the girl boss embodies a lot of these masculine qualities uh, she is part of hustle culture. She doesn't rest. She wakes up at five o'clock in the morning. She does hot yoga, et cetera, et cetera. And so this is an interesting example of the dark feminine in our cultural climate as it is now. Another quote from this article 
As more and more of these stories surface, girl boss shifted culturally from a noun to a verb, one that described the sinister process of capitalist success and hollow female empowerment. On TikTok and Twitter, girl boss the verb became yoked to gaslight and gatekeep to create a kind of live, laugh, love of toxic, usually white feminism. So these archetypes that form in our culture illuminate the darker elements of our culture. Now, this is not just the only archetype in our culture that I wanted to bring up as well. So another one is the influencer. This is a new archetype as well. And I think that it kind of is in the realm of the girl boss. Another one would be the sugar baby, which goes obviously deeply connected to the horror which is present in mythology and within culture throughout history. But the reason why I bring up the girl boss, the reason why I bring up the influencer and the sugar baby is that these are modern interpretations of the dark feminine, but they also are archetypes that illuminate the darker elements of our modern culture. All of them are surrounded by the monster of capitalism. I think that is the true root of these archetypes. And so as we move forward, continuing to explore the dark feminine, it's important to remember to look through the cultural lens and see the function of the dark feminine is to illuminate darkness, is to guide you into the poison that lingers beneath the surface so that we can suck venom from the wound and heal ourselves. I think that the girl boss, the influencer, the sugar baby are all telling us something about our culture that is sick. Uh, and I want to also specify that I think the sugar baby and the whore archetype is amazing. And I think you can refer to um, my podcast episode about the sacred prostitute and that archetype. Um, if you want to go deeper into that realm, I'm kind of talking about the sugar baby archetype as like a cultural um, moment. So anyways, these are some of the cultural archetypes of the dark feminine I wanted to bring up. We can leave that there. We're going to be exploring mythology now, which is so much more fun, in my opinion, because they are universal. So let's dive deep into mythology and the examples from mythology of the dark feminine and the guides that we have in mythology of these beautiful dark feminine embodiments. Mythology has such an important role in the human story and is such an important function of the collective human psyche because it allows us to use narrative to understand ourselves and to understand our worlds that we exist in. I love to turn to mythology when seeking understanding about myself and anytime that I feel that I need a guide in helping me become the better version of myself, or if I feel as though there is a part of me that needs to develop in a very specific way, mythology really is 
an endless resource to turn to because there are so many different myths and so many different stories that we can connect to. And we each have our own natural magnetism towards specific goddesses, towards specific gods and deities. And these stories are available and accessible to us at any time. And simply myths and stories help us feel less alone. So no matter what you're going through, there is a narrative that is waiting for you to join you in union. Mythology is spiritual. It is psychological. It is foundational. It is human. It is entertainment. It is escapism. It is profound, deep understanding of the collective human psyche. It is just so incredible what we can do with mythology. So let's talk about the dark feminine and how the dark feminine shows up in mythology. I'm going to start off with the dark feminine archetype that has been really influential and beneficial for me in helping nurture the dark feminine within, and that is Lilith. Now, Lilith is part of the Judeo-Christian mythology, and I first learned about Lilith when I was in Hebrew school, as I was raised Jewish, and Lilith was the first woman before Eve. I love the story of Lilith because she was born Adam's equal and refused to submit She refused to lie with Adam, and because of that, she was punished. And because of this, rebellion was kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And wow, what a powerful example of the dark feminine of prioritizing herself and putting her needs first and wanting to be an equal. And what an interesting statement on early patriarchal society. (laughs) And I think that one of the themes with the dark feminine is this strength and desire to be independent. And then from there, Lilith actually became a mythological character who has a lot of lore surrounding her. One of them being that she is the vampire queen. She is the queen of the succubus. So Lilith actually becomes an erotic archetype as well, which makes sense. I actually, when I was in meditation with Lilith and working with her for the first time, she came through and asked to have a spell candle made. And the spell candle that I crafted for Lilith, I received a download, a channel um, of wisdom from her. And her statement was, I come first. Now you can think about that as she told Adam that she came first, she was there before Eve. And in other forms, I come first is a mantra for prioritizing our needs and um, not being submissive to anyone and is a great example of just feminine empowerment. And also the way I perceived that as the third interpretation is I come first erotically, her pleasure is a priority. So Lilith has a lot of erotic lore surrounding her 
there is a narrative in mythology that was very popular that Lilith would visit men in the middle of the night and possess them and start to control them. So that is why she is known as the succubus queen. Another folktale surrounding Lilith is that she would eat children, eat babies. And so there was a period of time in history where people would fear Lilith visiting their children in the middle of the night for her perhaps to kill them, to eat them, to claim them. There was a lot of fear surrounding a woman who was completely independent, who was not a mother, who was not a wife, who was not bound to these traditional feminine roles. And I think that that is one of the strengths of Lilith is that her dark feminine archetype narrative is very autonomous. She is completely independent and she is a free agent rather than uh, subjected to the submission that is often placed upon the feminine narrative. Lilith's power does not come from any source, but from within herself, which I think is one of the greatest themes of the dark feminine. So I love Lilith. I'll talk after we go through the mythological archetypes about how we can work with these deities. The next three dark feminine goddesses that I want to bring up are within the Greek pantheon and they are Medea, Circe, and Hecate and they are all connected. Hecate is the goddess of the crossroads, of the threshold and we have a podcast episode about Hecate so I won't go too deep into her. I would listen to that with Dr. Cindy Brannan and also the episode with Salvatore Santoro. Um, but Hecate is a very powerful force in mythology and both Circe and Medea are actually priestesses and sorceresses and uh, daughters of Hecate. So what I love about Medea is that her story is one of revenge and we have such a such an emotional narrative to connect to that I think really is one of the greatest embodiments of feminine rage in that the story of Medea when she discovers her husband Jason has betrayed her she murders her own children again coming back with the theme of the dark feminine killing children, killing the innocent. And what I think is very interesting about what this is symbolically is the representation of the feminine power of emotion. And connecting with Circe, Circe is the goddess of witchcraft. She is the goddess of pharmakeia, which is working with the herbs. And Circe also shares a similar trait with Medea in that she has 
a vengeful pattern. When a man comes to her island, she defends herself by transforming him into a pig. And we see this in the Odyssey when Odysseus comes and he tricks Circe so he doesn't get turned into a pig, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, (laughs) But what I find to be really interesting with both Circe and Medea with this pattern of vengeance, of protection, of self, these dark feminine qualities are incredibly cathartic for those listening to the story. Because I think that we all can relate when someone has done us wrong, when we experience such a grand betrayal, we also have this dark feminine urge to destroy, protect ourselves, to respond in an emotional way, an overly emotional way, to transform someone into a pig. I would not say necessarily relating to Medea murdering her children, but I think that that grand tragedy is very relatable for the human experience. We've all felt that deep, dark pain and what causes us to react in such a violent way is the strength of our emotions, which is a very dark feminine thing. I think that what both Circe and Medea teach us are the power of our emotions and the strength of our rage. And that is a really beautiful thing to remember when we live in a culture that tells us that we always have to be good girls, that we always have to behave, that we always have to keep it together. When in reality, what is the truth is that we have such a visceral, powerful source deep within us that is our emotions. Similarly, another deity that also has the themes of rage and destruction is the goddess Kali. Now, Kali is different in that she is not acting out of anger or fury, but she is the goddess of destruction and she is also the goddess of life. So she has a beautiful narrative in which she is a fierce warrior and helps to save her people. But I don't think I have enough time to go into the stories of each character that I'm going to be bringing up, but I do strongly encourage you to read the story of Kali because it's very beautiful, very symbolic. But Kali is the divine mother and she is the great destroyer. So again, going back to these juxtapositions of extreme life, of extreme death, of darkness, of light, of the fertile void, the darkness, the abyss, the cradle of life. These are all themes that are really powerful and very present for the dark feminine. I love working with Kali when there is something stagnant in my life that needs to be cleared away. She is a fierce warrior and doesn't It's different than Greek mythology, actually. She doesn't have a lot of emotions surrounding that destruction. I think that that makes her very unique in that it's not a negative thing to be a destroyer. It is a fact. 
She destroys, she creates, she clears. She's very powerful. And I love the visual depictions of Kali holding the heads of those she has slain with her tongue outstretched with her beautiful dark skin. And she's also very erotic. She is a goddess of sex magic as well, which again reminds us that sexuality is both creation and destruction. It is themes of dark and light because we are connecting with the realm of the subconscious when we explore sexuality. So I love Kali as truly a beautiful embodiment of the dark feminine. The next goddess that I want to mention is my matron goddess, which is Persephone. Persephone is very interesting in that she is both the dark and the light. And I also wanted to mention Inanna, who in earlier mythology is pretty similar to Persephone. Uh, they have a very similar narrative in descending to the underworld. Inanna goes to rescue Ishkagar and Persephone in earlier pre-Hellenic Greek mythology descends into the underworld because she feels a subconscious longing and hears voices that lead her into the underworld. Um, Post-Hellenic, however, the interpretation of Persephone's myth is that she is claimed by Hades and he takes her and steals her. Um, I don't like to connect with that narrative. Um, for me, the archetype of Persephone where she is drawn to the underworld resonates more. But both Persephone and Inanna are great examples of the dark feminine in that they descend into the realm of the subconscious through the underworld. Now, this is a major theme for the dark feminine. And in fact, I feel like we could call this the subconscious feminine rather than the dark feminine because those two words are synonymous. So with Persephone and Inanna both having a journey, a descent into the underworld, they illuminate for us that we have to go deep within ourselves, deep into the realm of mystery of the collective subconscious of connecting with spirit, with the darkness present all around us in order to really reach enlightenment and to have self-actualization. This is a major theme for the dark feminine and I think something that we can carry with us. Another archetype of the dark feminine is Cleopatra. And I wasn't almost going to use her, but I do think that there are elements of Cleopatra as a mythological character that are important in that she is an embodiment of the seductress archetype, which is part of the dark feminine archetype family. Now with Cleopatra, she also has a lot of qualities of the dark feminine in that she is independent. She is a queen that has no king. She is completely empowered and she is powerful over her kingdom. She leads through her sexual prowess. She engages with Julius Caesar and has a lot of qualities of the seductress archetype, which I think are really fascinating for us to connect to through this dark feminine narrative. What's also interesting is that there is a shadow side and a empowered side to the same concept of power through sexuality. In 
another archetype I wanted to bring up, which was Mary Magdalene with the archetype of the sacred prostitute of the whore. And that, of course, also is an embodiment of the dark feminine. Uh, and both of both Cleopatra and Mary Magdalene use their sexuality as a vehicle for power, as a tool for power. I would say that Mary Magdalene uses sexuality for spiritual empowerment rather than power over anyone. But Cleopatra for sure uses her sexual prowess as a way to be empowered in her kingdom and to have power over others. Uh, so that is not necessarily a good or a bad thing. I just think that it is a great quality of the dark feminine. And there definitely is scenarios in our own lives in which we could say that that is good or bad, but right now we're just exploring these themes of the dark feminine. So let's talk a little bit about the empowered qualities of the dark feminine. I would say the first thing that comes to mind is the idea of desire realized. The empowered dark feminine has a profound relationship with her own desires. One of the greatest themes that we can take from these mythological archetypes of the dark feminine is that the dark feminine has her own desires that are often separate from the culture, separate from the family, separate from her relationships. They are desires that are completely her own and she makes sure to pursue them and takes action to embody them. Rather than being concerned with how her desires impact others, I believe that the dark feminine really holds her desires as her own and doesn't have much concern with how they impact other people. This is something that I think is a strength in too far either direction, I think that it becomes problematic. But when it's in an empowered state where the dark feminine holds her desires, embodies them and acts on them because it what serves the best for her, then I think that they are empowered. The dark feminine also really is erotic energy embodied. And I think that this is something that our culture has feared and has suppressed for a long, long time. And I think that's why our puritanical culture censors sexuality and silences sexuality and the conversation of sexuality has always seemed to be taboo is that one of the strengths of the dark feminine is to be completely embodied in their erotic power. And there is an immense amount of power when you are standing completely in your erotic energy. So I think that one of the greatest themes we can take away from the dark feminine in her empowered embodiment is that when you exist in your erotic space, completely realized that you are in your power, that you are not out of control, that you are not too much, that you're not taking up too much space when you have erotic desire and exist and are seen as erotic, but rather that is one of your greatest strengths. Uh, 
I think that one of the greatest things we can learn from the dark feminine is taking all of these suppressed shame covered themes and bring them back into the light, such as being embodied in our erotic energy. Another theme of the dark feminine is really simply power. I think the dark feminine is inherently powerful. She is familiar with her own power. She's aware of it. She exists in that space and she does not fear her own power. So I think that's a really great theme that we can continue to explore as we seek to embody the dark feminine within us. The next one is wisdom and maturity. One of the things that I love with the dark feminine is the archetype is not necessarily young. And I think that our culture really needs positive examples of mature archetypes and the dark feminine in my perspective, the way I visualize the dark feminine is that she is mature. It could be someone who is in their mother phase. It could be someone who is in their crone phase. It could be the succubus queen phase, but rarely do I see the dark feminine as very young. So exploring the maturity as a theme is really powerful. Another theme that I find for the quality of the dark feminine empowered is self-actualization in that the archetype does not seek external validation. Everything that she already needs, she already has within her. So that is really powerful. And I like to think of the crone with this because I think the crone stage of life is um, when you reach like true self-actualization, you don't seek approval from the masses. You live in the woods, you like what you like, you know yourself and you're just like, this is who I am. I love it. I am the best version of myself. I am sexy. I'm powerful. I'm self-actualized. So something we can explore as a characteristic is finding validation within us rather than constantly seeking external validation. I also think that hedonism is a really great theme for the empowered dark feminine. We can pursue pleasure without shame. We can pursue what makes us happy, what gives us sensual pleasure, what gives us erotic pleasure, what gives us power and do so unapologetically. Another theme that obviously is such a great quality of the empowered dark feminine is confidence. And that's a tricky one. That is a journey that we all go on seeking confidence within ourselves. But I think the dark feminine really is a great ally for a very specific type of confidence. Okay, so let's talk about some of the qualities of the dark feminine in detriment. So these are some of the qualities that we see in the archetypes and mythology and fairy tales and the culture that, not, that aren't necessarily the best examples of the dark feminine, but they are part of the dark feminine, which is overly emotional, vengeful, manipulative, controlling, overly sexual. That one, I'm not so sure is a problem, but, you know, could be a problem in detriment. But I think that these qualities are worth looking at as things that we can give voice to, 
These are parts of the shadow that seek to be expressed. And rather than continuing to suppress these qualities of the dark feminine, I think that our culture really needs to give voice to them and give a safe container to give voice. So the quality of overly emotional, if we're feeling overly emotional, one of the greatest things that we can do is allow ourselves to feel these emotions. If we're feeling the level of rage that Medea feels when Jason betrays her, when we have something going on in our personal life, rather than continuing to suppress this emotion, what would be amazing is to give voice to it, to scream, to release it through artistic expression, to go to the altar, to do magic, to connect with the archetype of Medea. So there are ways that we can have a relationship with these dark feminine detriment qualities, meaning the, the more shadow qualities of the dark feminine. And once we develop a relationship, we take away the power where it controls us and we start to have control over these qualities within ourselves because these are all very human things. We all feel vengeful. We all feel the desire to be manipulative and to be overly emotional. And rather than suppressing, we have to give voice. We have to express. We have to allow the themes of the shadow to come up and through and into the light. And that is magic. The dark feminine is a really important part of our psyche. She embodies mystery, death, birth, sexuality, creation and destruction, connection to our intuition, to the darker parts of our psyche. I think that the more of a relationship we have with the dark feminine, the greater we are in our light as well. For life really is about chaos, about death, about destruction, just as much as it is about creation and life and connection. The dark feminine really is about connecting to yourself, having a deep relationship with the quiet, unknown parts of your own being. And that is powerful. I think that sex magic really is a great way to connect with the dark feminine. I know that I have called in specific goddesses of the dark feminine to engage in sex magic with me through self-pleasure and bringing them into that practice. But some other ways that we can connect with the dark feminine would be through artistic expression. Now, artistic expression, I think, is very similar to sex magic in that it is in the realm of creation. It is connecting with our creative energy. The dark feminine is both creative energy and destructive energy. So what a powerful way to channel her through than with through our artistic voice. So giving voice to the dark feminine is a great theme. So the practice of vocalizing, of screaming, of singing, of crying, giving voice to our emotions, giving voice to these thoughts in our head that have been circulating forever and ever, but we never have a safe place to express them or a container to express them. The voice of rage, the voice of anger, the voice of sorrow, the voice of jealousy, of envy, of of taboo desire, the dark feminine 
begs you to give voice to these parts of yourself and do not fear losing control. You will not be consumed by giving voice. In fact, you are controlled when you don't give voice to these parts of yourself. Another great practice for expressing the dark feminine is through dance, through movement, through dancing erotically, through connecting to your body. Put on some really dark, decadent music and let the dark feminine move through you. You can, of course, bring the dark feminine into your magic practice by adorning your altar for the dark feminine. You can connect with one specific deity, maybe Lilith or Kali, whoever is calling to you, and give them dedication on your altar. Give them daily offerings or weekly offerings. And of course, with your rituals aligned with the moon, you can connect with the dark feminine during the waning and the new moon period. Another way I like to connect with the dark feminine is through ritual adornment, through embodying the dark feminine as an archetype of my own by dressing up, playing with makeup, playing with fabric, playing with lingerie, dressing in a way that connects me to my own version of the dark feminine. And that can look very different for you. And you don't have to be feminine to dress dark feminine. You can bring in elements of the dark feminine through any fashion that resonates for you. You really have to start to develop your own relationship, your own interpretation of these energetic qualities, because this is what we need as a culture. We need to have variation in how we interpret these ideas. So let yourself get creative. Really think about what the dark feminine looks like. Because for one person, it might be wearing pleaser heels. And for another person, it's wearing faux fur. And for another person, it's black eyeliner and goth you know, e-girl look like it really is so different for every person and spirit is begging you to be incredibly unique to yourself and what makes you feel alive. So figure out what that is. Let yourself be personal. I really like to do dark feminine work through connecting with subconscious practices. So Shamanic journeying is a big part of my spiritual practice. Shamanic journeying is a great way to really connect to your subconscious. And you can go on YouTube, find guided meditations that guide you through shamanic journeying. It's a way to enter a trance-like state of mind so that you can access that deep part of yourself. But there are many other ways that you can connect with your subconscious. So start to explore that as the dark feminine exists in the realm of the subconscious. Something fun that I wanted to do this week on our social media is to have all of us in community share photos of ourselves in expression of the dark feminine. So if you want to use the hashtag, hashtag the dark feminine, and you can post photos of yourself embodying the dark feminine. And that'll be a really fun way for us to connect and to see each other and witness each other in this embodiment. The dark feminine really has been such an impactful part of my witchcraft practice and of just 
my whole life. So I hope that this episode has been informative and helpful and maybe even inspirational to propel you on the path of exploring the dark feminine within you. I know that I had a really wonderful time. This is the final solo episode that I will be sharing. Um, there is a possibility that I will be offering a guided journey through the dark feminine where we will be able to have conversations together and explore this theme more in depth as well as have story time as well. So if that is something that you are interested in, if you could just drop us a line and I guess, let me know if that's of interest, if there is enough people who are curious about a perhaps like six to 12 week program where we journey through the dark feminine together, then that's something I will offer. Um, but I would need people to, to let me know that's something they want to do. So if you've made it this far, I love you. I hope that you have a beautiful journey through this dark portal and I'll see you on the other side. The Sex Magic Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a collective, a community, a conversation. If what we do here resonates with you, I'd like to invite you to join us on Patreon. But what even is Patreon? It's an online platform where you can directly support artists and creators. In exchange, you receive exclusive benefits. It's a direct form of energetic exchange. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, we have some incredible monthly benefits, such as live Q&As where you can ask us questions every month and tune in to get them all answered. We also have an incredible Discord community where you can connect with other people around the world and talk about things within the realm of sexuality and spirituality, along with monthly resources, rituals, tarot insight, and crystal guides to help further your spiritual path. So if you'd like to support us and show us how much you appreciate the work that we do with the Sex Magic Podcast, I invite you to check out our Patreon. We have the link down in the show notes, but you can also go on patreon.com slash sexmagicpodcast.